So you've got an e-commerce platform, or maybe you're thinking of creating one, and you want to drive additional sales. Who doesn't? We're going to hear from a man who helps others do just that with a time commitment of four hours a week or so. Let him talk us through that one. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk and hear how he does it. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. Tyler Sully Sullivan is the founder of BombTech Golf, an e-commerce store with over 20 million sold online since 2012. He also runs a company called Ecom Growers, where he and his team have developed a formula for running successful e-commerce businesses. How does he do it? Well, we're going to find out. Welcome to the show, Sully. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Let's go. I, I, you know, uh, I'm going to get to that formula in a minute. That that way, we'll make sure we hold this audience who's listening today. But in preparing for the interview, I, I read that you believe that even with online companies, there's a huge value in having real conversations with customers and potential buyers. Look, I'm I'm all for having real conversations with customers and buyers, but it was the e-commerce part, uh, online part that that kind of caught my eye. So online. Tell me how we do that. Well, I mean, I, I'm an accidental entrepreneur, so I, I don't work, you know, I didn't start out working four hours a week. You know, I was working 20 hours a day, seven days a week um, to figure it out. And now through two kids being fired from my day job, you know, and nine years later, you know, I've got the so-called luxury to hire people to do it. Um, but really my story is you know, out of passion. Like, so I, I'm a big time golfer and, you know, I, I fell out of love with the game in college. I was playing rugby. And then my buddy invited me to a world long drive event, which is like the home run derby of golf. How far can you hit it? He's like, Hey, you want to come? I'm like, sure. I don't even know what that is. Uh, I showed up and he was the one that's been training for it and he didn't make it, but I qualified. <laughs> and, um, you know, it got me obsessed with golf, right? I just became obsessive. And at, at one point I had like 40 drivers in my bag. I didn't even have a putter. I would just go and hit balls as hard as I could. And, and this is 2012. So this is a while ago. So the internet and building an e-com store and selling stuff was much harder, right? But all I did as a guy with no expectations, just something I love, and there's many, many lessons in the story, but I just started documenting and having conversations to, to kind of go to your point of like how I did it. And really what allowed me to kick this off was like Facebook early days. I had like 500 followers, but during this process, if I'm frozen, we can unfreeze. Here we go. Uh, during that process, I just started documenting what I was doing and just asking people questions and really just being curious. You know, that's kind of my, like my, my, uh, what's the word? Superpower is just being curious and asking superpower. people questions. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm power yeah. Well, my power is listening to others and asking them. Um, and so I just documented this for a while and asked questions. And, and really, it allowed me to have conversations at scale, right? And that's how I built my audience through time. And really through Facebook, you know, we had some a video in particular. This is a good example of how to have conversations at scale. I had one video in particular. Then I posted and I said, does your driver sound like this? And it was me hitting the ball into a net and it sounds like a gun goes off. And it got 300,000 views, 10,000 comments. 
So I, I didn't, like, I wasn't t- driving a ton of revenue. It was a side hustle at the time, but I commented on 10,000 comments on my BlackBerry until my thumbs were bleeding. Um, did I know if that was going to make me more money? No, but it allowed me to have conversations at scale and build an audience. And now what we do is we do that with email, which we can have conversations and drive revenue in one place. And that's just my thesis overall, you know, how we have conversations. Just you really want to care about what you're doing and ask people what they want because at the end of the day, they're your customers. So that's overall how I think of both of my companies is, hey, I'm just some guy. They're my customer. Why not ask them what they want? All right, curious man. That's, that's, that's some superpower. Uh, quite frankly, uh, I actually, uh, one of the book titles for one of my sales books that I, I wrote, I wanted to call it Selling Curious. I actually think curiosity, even when we know the answers to some of our questions, that, um, but presenting in a curious manner uh, makes us more authentic. And um, so, you, you know, you, you sort of stumbled into something that's actually fairly well documented. Um, right. and welcome to the party. Uh, uh, accidental so, entrepreneur, accidental everything. Just kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, saw what worked. It took me a while, but, you know, we got there. Okay. Have you, uh, have you ever, do you have a book? Have you ever thought of writing a book on this? Uh, I mean, we, I've talked to a few guys about writing books. I think um, I'm not ready yet. I've got some other big stuff in the works. Once once I it's finished, we'll uh, we'll make it happen. All right. Too many drivers to hit right now yeah. to write a book. I, exactly. I think I'm hearing exactly. you. Okay. So you're hyper focused on this customer experience, and so far you to me correct me when I'm wrong. You kind of def- you defined it as sort of stumbling into this shot into the net there, but yep. diligently and you know and methodically responding to those uh, comments, uh, and I get it. Give me another example. How, how do you, uh, if, if we're gonna say, hey, we're hyper-focused on the customer experience, other than responding to uh, a comment they make, how else can I be hyper-focused? I mean, that that's the biggest one and just being quick to wow them. I mean, like, so now that the business is established, so I've got, you know, I only have two employees and, you know, we do like last month, we did 1.3 million. So we do seven figures a month with two employees. And those are my two, only two in-house guys. And their only job is to wow customers. So if let's say someone loses a club, doesn't even break it, just like lost it. We'll send them a new club, no questions asked. So really now that we have, you know, scale at first when I was doing customer service, Everything felt like it was like, oh, no, I can't afford to send a replacement club out or, or something. So it was much different. But now, like, that's their only goal is to wow them. So we do things that, like, one guy had his his house burned down, right, and his clubs were in the house. We sent him a whole new set. And so we really kind of – we don't want bad things to happen, obviously, but we cherish when we have opportunities to wow someone. Um, and a lot of times, you know, it can be something really simple. You know, someone sees a, a coupon, they just paid full price, we'll give them a refund, no questions asked. Or, hey, something, shipping was, you know, FedEx screwed up, wasn't even our fault, took an extra day, we'll refund them shipping. So we, we will sacrifice margin and profit often to just wow someone. And literally, because that's that for us now is the biggest, well, outside of Facebook ads and email, but it's like word of mouth and a positive customer service experience really 
is why we're continuing to grow and scale is because when people are out in the course, they tell their buddies, they show them the clubs. It's like, you can't believe what these guys did. They sent me this or, you, you know what I mean? So it's, everyone says they have good customer service, but no one really does. They do the bare minimum. Uh, whereas we really, really try to absolutely wow them in any capacity because we're fortunate enough to have them as a customer. So why not try to keep them, you know? Well, yeah, you, you know, they've tracked how much it costs to get a customer. It's it's not cheap. Uh, so, um, by the way, I think you have your book title. I know you're not ready to write yet, but uh, I think Quick to Wow Them really resonates. That's a good write one. Write that down somewhere. Folks, he's, he's got a pen now. He's, he's writing. Right. Okay. Uh, because you're walking that walk anyway. It's not like we found something slick. That is kind of who you are. Uh, you know, the tales of a curious man. Uh you're also almost describing an online version of the Nordstrom experience from 30 years ago, when you think about it. I mean, you ever hear that, and I, I, it's an old story, but did you ever hear the Nordstrom tire story? I haven't. I'm okay. 37, so that's... All right, well, you, you, you were six years there. old. You should have been listening to me. So, uh, but, but, well, Nordstrom used to love this story, and, and it was uh, very quickly... It was, they came out and they sort of were um, <laughs> the precursor to you. And they said, we don't care. Whatever you, whatever your issue is, if it's an issue, we're going to solve it. We're going to fix it. We'll take it back. We don't care. There's don't, don't worry about the receipt or how long you've had it. If it's not right, we're going to make it right. So the story goes that somebody came in and said, okay, uh, I got these tires and, uh, and I want a refund. And Nordstrom, who had never sold tires, that okay, we are going to give you a refund on those tires. Now, the funny thing is, a lot of people listening may very well know that story. They may not know is the old Paul Harvey used to say the rest of the story. As a guy who's trained people all over the world, I bumped into somebody once who said, "Yeah, you're not. You know, I worked in the store that was that Nordstrom's took over, and it was a tire store." Okay, oh, nobody man. ever threw that in. So, in fact, this guy wasn't quite the idiot that he sounds. Right. He had tires. He was going back to that store. It just had become Nordstrom. But suffice to say, there's a company that sort of walked that walk. I don't know if they still walk it, but maybe they do. But yep. um, that's you. You're kind of the, the you're, you're, Tried you're to be. yeah, that's kind of cool. Now we're going to get, well, I mean, that, get, that's kind of the beauty of direct consumer. You know, I mean, that's the yeah. thing that's unique with, with my brand, you know. And with D to C, we're selling direct to the consumer. There is no retail. There's no middleman. So we really, that's our opportunity is to wow them, um, get feedback from them, learn from them. And it's really, that was what makes the model unique. You know, we can sell at great prices, but offer a product that's truly premium, but we actually have a feedback loop. And that's how we design new clubs. Like we'll sell a product that we think is great, get feedback from customers and we'll iterate off of that. So it's a very different model than a large retailer with wholesale and all this. So it allows us, and really that's the most important thing is that word of mouth and, and the customer experience, but that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, it's not complicated. Um, it, it could seem complicated and it was when I started, but, but that's the beauty of direct consumer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's still stats running out there that say uh, a success, uh, a happy customer, somebody that you have wowed will tell three to five people about that experience. Yep. I've always been a little disappointed the number wasn't higher uh, because there is the flip side. They still say that a dissatisfied customer 
Yeah. Uh, so let's just, let's say we don't feel like wowing them today. A dissatisfied customer will tell any, anywhere between 11 to 20 people. Uh, and Yep. That adds up quick. It does. It does. So, so now for anybody who's listening, when you think about it, you go, well, this guy's replacing clubs and doing these things. Well, yeah, but look what he's protecting at the same time. Uh, not to mention, we, we haven't talked about just goodwill and good karma. Uh, that's got to play out somewhere. But, but just if you're not a goodwill and good karma person and you're listening, uh, then just be a smart business person and listen. Uh, because it's profitable this way, and um, and it, and it's exciting to hear that. I, I I we we the consumer, we're rooting for you. And not just the golf club. We you know we I'm, I like my coffee that way too. I, I want anything I can get in a wow experience. And uh, you know, last thing you know, I'll bump off this. But somebody asked me the other day. They said, "What's more important to you, a good meal or a good service?" And I said, "Oh, that's easy for me. It's good service." Because a, a good meal, all right, you know, it was cold, whatever. You kind of, it, it, it wasn't a great meal. But you give me bad service. You, you didn't ruin my, my meal. You ruined my evening. You ruined my day. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it stays with you. And so um, I, I guess suffice to say, we learned this at Xerox, we're, we, as every business will, will make a mistake. We have mistakes. The quality ones, the one that you're hearing from right now, are the ones that say, well, okay, but not if, but when this happens, because we're not robots, we'll not only fix it right the first time, but we'll fix it fast. And when you do that, you create super customers. That's sort of what you're, you, you're doing. Uh, I, I, if my house, I did have a house that burned once, by the way, but if my house burned in my, I didn't, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have your clubs in there at the time. But if my house burned and a vendor told me, hey, we're going to send you a set of clubs. I never forget that. I would never forget yeah, that. It's not going to replace the house and his memories and all that, but it's like, what can we control? What can we do? And it's, right. it's more of like, you know, a gesture and, you know, just thanking them. Cause that's, that's the empathy and being thankful is really at the core because I think I started with no expectations. I don't know your listeners, if they're starting businesses or running them, but for me, I had a full-time job, you know, so I accidentally started the side hustle that happened to take off and have some success, but never had an expectation of doing, you know, eight figures a year and, you know, in replacing my income, you know, getting fired from my day job the week before Thanksgiving, finding out my wife was pregnant, you know, change that. You know what I mean? That was a, one of those epiphany moments where I said, okay, am I going to make this thing work? But so I, I, I don't know if everyone comes from that angle, but at least for me, I did something I loved and still do, which is golf. And I had no expectations. So I think that allowed me to work more in it versus I think I see a lot of people starting to try to chase a trend or something where it's like, well, women's leggings are selling hot now. Well, I don't know about women's leggings, so I'm not gonna sell it. So it is a very different, no expectations. I just made a website because I was curious, thought it was cool and really just, you know, it kind of just happened. I just told the story as I went with and then it never felt like I didn't hit my expectations. So I didn't have them. So I think that for me, it was allowed me to work a ton because it didn't feel like work. Got it. Uh, and I'm going to put uh, how people can get a hold of you and give you an opportunity, by the way, in a minute or so to tell us. But you, you are talking to a, a serial entrepreneur. I'm 29 years as an entrepreneur, and I came from the corporate world. Uh, and a lot of people who follow me are entrepreneurs. So I can assure you they're listening right now. 
my question is this, you, you, you know, and look, you, you, I'm a consultant. People say, you know, teach me to sell in two minutes. Well, I'll give you the best two minutes you'll ever get, but I can't teach you to sell in two minutes. I can just yeah. give you two really valuable minutes. So I don't expect the formula uh, in two minutes, but in a minute or so, okay, you've developed a formula. Uh, I, and, and maybe I, we're on it right now. It's the wow formula, if you will. But it, 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 to become profitable, can you give me a minute and just tell me from a process, something repeatable and predictable? And like I said, you can say, Rob, I'm already there. But from a process standpoint, what is that formula? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs there would, that would love to mirror what you're doing. I mean, for, for e-commerce specific, it's, yes. there's, two, there's only two levers, really, to, to get started. One is, can you run profitable traffic? So Facebook, Google Ads, you have to have front-end traffic that's profitable. And then there's the back-end. So it's email, SMS, texting people. If you can't run even, you know, first you got to be able to run traffic. And then you're not going to sell everyone on the first time they visit. So that's where you need email to clean it up. And really, that's the only formula to scale. and the equation that makes that formula work is the offer and the story. So it's what are you selling and what is the story behind that? So anyone can get traffic through Facebook or Google. You can just spend money today and get traffic. Anyone can send email. A lot of people do it the wrong way, but it's the offer and the story that is what makes those two things turn into a business. And for me, as I was documenting, it was free. So it was just organic. So I started to build that up, started to build that audience. But I was able to pour fuel on the fire and every e-com brand we work with, so I have an agency that helps them. We only do email one very specific niche of it. It's always the same format. They have a product or an offer that's unique, a story. And then they're able to spend money in ads at a certain return on that ad spend. And then they use the back end to drive revenue and that's how they scale. So for us, you know, we spend at BombTech around, depends on the day, like 10 grand a day on ads. But, oh. you know, we shoot for 4X. So we're doing that. And then we have email does 40% of revenue, but that's because we can spend that because we have an offer, a brand and a story that people resonate with. And that piece is the hardest part, you know, because anyone nowadays can run ads, but it's, is that offer going to get them to buy it? And it's getting, I, I hate to say this, it is getting harder than it used to be. Uh, so we're almost like when I started 2012, it was like you, you put up a really bad Facebook ad and it would just, it would work. Um, so now more people are selling online, especially with COVID. You know, e-com is like the darling now. Because like for us, <laughs> the agency is on fire. Golf is on fire. Like we've got a lot of tailwinds. My biggest issue is not ordering enough inventory. You know, we're up 120% because everyone's golfing. You know, everyone's buying online. So if your e-com could not be, everyone's comfortable buying online that normally wouldn't be because COVID fast forward us 10 years. So it's, and I think that's one last takeaway. If that's the formula and the last takeaway I have is do something you love because you're never going to time the market right. I never was going to be able to time that COVID would help golf scale because I was doing golf because I loved it. But golf, if you looked at all the reports, you say, Hey, starting a golf company is the dumbest idea ever because Golf's trending down for the last 20 years, and you're going up against the five hardest companies in the world. You'll never make it. That's what Entrepreneur Magazine said. They said, cool story, good product, not going to make it. Um, but if you do something you love, timing will eventually just be good.
You know what I mean? Don't, don't chase trends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I, you know, I want to sandwich that. I like the, the beginning and the end of that. Um, at the end, just, I want to repeat that it's, it's do something you love. And, you know, I talk to a lot of millennials and um, particularly people in their twenties. Yep. Sometimes you don't know what it is yet. You just have to be open to ideas. Frequently, you don't find a business. It'll find you. You have to be yep. open to it. So, so don't, don't put a whole lot of pressure on yourself going, I still don't know what it is. I can't find it. It'll, you'll, you'll get there. Just um, try and stay in the ballpark. Like you're an athlete. Yeah, there you were, you know, you're hitting a long drive. So, you know, you were in that, that ballpark in a sense, as you started moving. It's not, not like you came from left field there. But the yep. first one you mentioned, Sully, is really important. And it's it's something that people, it's not necessarily fun. And it's it, and that's the traffic side of this thing. Driving yep. that traffic. I, I can't tell you how many people I, I consult with who are doing everything but the traffic side of it. And uh, so they built a beautiful site and they're, you know, beautiful campaign and ads and these things. But the, the, they're not driving really any traffic um, to that website or, you know, and it's like throwing a party. You got great hors d'oeuvres. The lighting's good. You got super music. Just this wonderful. Just nobody's at the party. So is that a good party? Not for me. I don't want to go to that party. I want people at that party. Then we can work on the other things. So it's traffic for me, at least, yep. uh, you know? Okay. Um, so last question, four hours a week, mm -hmm. seven figures. All right. You're the guy who put it out there. So I'm okay if in a moment you say we worked to, to get to the four hour mark, but if, if I want to start that side hustle that you started, uh, can I do it in four hours a week? You could start, but it's going to take more. I mean, I, to give a little more context, I mean, this is my ninth year. Um, and really when I first started, I was working, I had that full-time job was fired from my day job with a newborn on the way. And my wife, and this was just a side hustle. I was doing like 14, 15 grand a month with a physical product business is like nothing. You got to pay for more product. And she's like, what are you going to do? And she supported me. Um, but during that time, I would literally work 20 hours a day, seven days a week doing every piece of the business. And it took me probably four years and a second child to separate myself. So I had to learn each facet of that business, you know, Facebook ads, email, uh, you know, how to answer the phone, like every single piece of the business, fulfillment, everything to a point where I could then start hiring. I hit that first million all by myself and then started delegating. And I still was working a ton, right? I, I shaved it down from 20 hours after like year two to like 12, you know what I mean? But that was like on a, a good day. And then I said to myself, okay, this is year like six or so. I had a second kid. I said, this is not fair. I said, I'm working all the time. It's always on my mind. I never stopped thinking about it. I took six weeks off. When I took six weeks off to have her, sales actually went up. And it's because before that six weeks, I, I essentially fired myself from all my roles. I just hired and delegated better people. And that was my aha moment to say, what's the point of having this business? You know what I mean? And it, if I didn't have those 20 hour days with the newborn, which was unhealthy for my family, the kid, everyone. I, I needed to do that to get to where it was. And then when I had my second kid, that was my big epiphany. I was like, okay, I, I'm not, I built this. Yeah, cool. But I'm not necessarily the reason it's successful now. So now, like, I had this policy. I was joking with you before about not 
sitting in my chair, I'm not allowed to touch the website because I only screw shit up. You know, I don't make things better at this point. I've got my ads guy, my email guy, the agency, my 3PL, the customer service, all these experts, about seven of them. And they do their thing. I just manage them and say, hey, how are things going once a week? Because if I get out of their way, they do a better job than I would, which is hard to as a, and I think ego comes into play when you get to this point. It's like, well, I'm just the owner now. And that's how I was able to start the second company, not to ramble on here, but the other agency came because people were re- were talking about my brand. Like I was in a couple of case studies and my first employee, Chris, who's been with me for like five years at that point, and was doing my email. He's like, hey, can I help them out? And I, I didn't have time. I was like, oh, sure. And uh, because I now had the time, I was able to help him build that company. So I'm a partner there, but I just help him like kind of we're doing on a consulting basis. Say, hey, what's your problems? I'll fix them. But I'm not in the day-to-day there. So that company's doing seven figures. Now the other company's doing eight. And I work the least I've worked and I'm looking for stuff to do. Which is- Yeah, you write a book. That's what you got to do. Which is mind blowing to me to go from working, assembling the clubs, going to the post, like doing all the wrong stuff to now where I'm like, I need something to do. Um, But for me, and I think for anyone, you could have told me, nine years ago, eight years ago to delegate this, I would have said you're nuts. So I think you need to have your own life epiphanies, business epiphanies to allow yourself to to delegate and get out of your own way. And uh, some people never can. But for me, I golf a lot. My I spend so much time with my kids. My wife is like, you need to leave the house. So I've got a little office to get out of their way. Um, so it's, it's accidental uh, story to success. And I'm very fortunate it worked out. But you know, that, that's how I was able to delegate. And, yeah, and well, but you undersell yourself a little bit there. I mean, I, I, I you know, oh, shucks, I, I, you know, I, I bumped into it, this, this business. You, you know, you, you ran right through the stop sign of 20 hours a day for some years. So yeah. um, I, I refer to that as kind of like cracking rocks in the field. Most entrepreneurs, there's a period of time where it's not real pretty. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but we have to build the foundation for a business. And then it gets, as, as long as we're doing something that we love, it's not so bad cracking those rocks. Uh, we don't want to be in the wrong field cracking the wrong rocks, though. But you hit on something else, Sully, and, and it's one of the two biggest mistakes that most managers make. Uh, one is lack of delegation. The other is actually lack of recognition. So many employees in this country, probably in this world, I just know figures from the U.S., leave because they just don't feel like they're getting the recognition they deserve. An entrepreneur, we don't, it doesn't really fall on us, but when you start hiring people, keep an eye on it. But what Sully's telling you is, uh, and, and, and I'm putting into your formula here, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, it's, it's going with your gut, finding something that you really love. You know, you're the luckiest person alive when you're working at what you love. But it's understanding that you, at some point you have to get out of the way. Uh, if for no other reason uh, than quality of life. And um, so um, just really valuable pieces you're putting out there for us. And so I know you, you kind of fell into this, but you're describing a formula that makes complete sense. And, um, and I, I, I applaud your success. I think, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to read the book when it comes out. Remember, what is it? The, with the Keep wowing them? Wow factor? I forgot. Quick, quick to wow them. Quick to yeah. wow them, yeah. All right, you might want to grab that uh, that uh, website real fast. Yeah, I may. That sounds good. I like I won't, it. I, we won't be going live for a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right, man. Listen, uh, really love getting to to know you. Uh, 
P.S. Terrible golfer. Uh, just kind of got back to it. Played my first 18 uh, nice. in maybe 10 years, two weeks ago, and I'm ready to go out tomorrow and do it again. So nice. uh, I'm ready getting for the there. Torture. It, it's it's golf is just insane right now, and it's it's good to get out there. It took me a while to just enjoy it again and not turn it into work every time. So now it's like I go out. I don't have my iPhone taking videos and photos, but it's it's a great game. You know, I yeah. love it. I would have loved to have seen the golf bag with uh, 12 drivers in it. <laughs> I had this vision yeah. of that. That would freak people out if you showed up with, uh, yeah. with a bag full of drivers. It was a special moment. Now I just try to hit it straight. You know, now before it was how far and how far left and right. Now I hit it in the fairway. So it's a there little you easier go. when you're in the fairway. <laughs> there you go. All right. How do people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, uh, Tyler Sully Sullivan, or if they golf, uh, bombtechgolf.com. If you know you're an e-com brand, we work with brands doing one to uh, twenty million a year. Typically, we run Clavio email and SMS. We'll do a free audit. That's ecomgrowers.com. Uh, my partner Chris kind of runs the show there, and uh, yeah, that's it. Love to talk. Reach out. See if I can add some value to uh, your business or life. Reach out and let him wow you. <laughs> Make him and put him doing through his paces. If he's if he's not uh, working quick enough, tell him I don't feel the wow. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, anyway, listen, terrific. I'll also put that contact information on our site here. Yeah. I, uh, I hope, uh, absolute pleasure getting to know you and, uh, thanks for talking to us folks. You heard a good one today. I hope you picked up some great ideas. I know I did. I'm, I'm just taking notes probably as fast as, uh, as Sully was taking some notes there. So, uh, enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.